We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Mavs fans. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You're joined tonight on Saturday, November 26th at about 7.15 p.m. It's Kirk Henderson and Matthew Phillips, a couple of contributors to MavsMoneyBall.com. How you doing, Matt? Uh, I want to cry right now. This is just a very disappointing after Thanksgiving Mavericks game. So, if you're listening to this by now, you know that the Mavericks lost to the Toronto Raptors 105-100, to um, falling to a delightfully terrible 1-6 on the road. They lost to a Toronto Raptors team missing four rotation players. Um, they, Istok Franco had an incredible statistic about the offense and the Mavericks were basically crushing Toronto and half court offense, but Toronto was winning in no small part, primarily due to fast break points and to second chance points. Um, Toronto had, let me see here. Where's the offensive Toronto had 17 offensive rebounds, um, I don't have second chance points in front of me at the moment. It's probably on NBA.com, but it was brutal. This um and in a season where we seem to keep saying like that was a, one of the worst losses of the season. It's just another real bad one. They they got outworked. They got out. You know, there's shooting variants, and then there's just playing like lackadaisically. I I don't even know how to describe this one because. You know, you watch in the first quarter, the Mavs get up by 15, and then they just let go of the thread. I, I'm I'm really not sure. I, oh, why don't you cook for a minute? Because you know, I, I've been getting messages from people saying, ah, I want you to be really mad. I'm like, I don't even know what to be mad at. Like, this is just a pathetic outing. 
so the first thing this is, is absolutely the perfect counter argument to the Lucas high usage rate is all his fault and nothing to do with his <laughs> teammates not being gifted enough to do things and whatnot. Like the level of disrespect to NBA talent to say we are going to hard trap for an entire game is game. just stunning. Like the whole game, like that's not something you do. You do that for like three or four minute stretches to try to change a game. And then you go back to it because the assumption is that eventually anybody who is in the NBA is good enough to win four on three. If you give it to them forever. Like the example that I would use is last year against the Lakers. Um, they trapped the Mavs hard, pretty hard early, and it bothered them in the first half, and everything was good for the Lakers. And then the Mavs figured it out, and it was the Dwight Powell game where he had he played really well, and the Mavs just figured it out, and they ended up winning. But this whole game, like they were just like, "Hey, Luke is not going to beat us. We're going to trap him all game." And it, at one point, it got to the point to where they were literally sending three to him on the pick and roll, and playing two on four. And it worked because the Mavs simply don't have enough shot creation off the ball. Um, like, it's hard for me because I'm always – I want to see the optimist. And I still understand that the ceiling of Luka and 3 and D players around him, if everything gets worked out, that it can work and that no one is ever as bad as their worst moments and never as good as their best moments. I, I understand all of that. But – the Mavericks had to play Faku Campuzo in important minutes in a game that was contested, in a game that they honestly do need to win. I know that's why was season, that? Why was that? Because they they had a terrible offseason. They well, no, no, I mean in the short, in, like yeah. in the specific to the yeah. game. Uh, oh um, yeah, because they Spencer had to have Dinwiddie picked up his fourth foul ninety seconds into, and it's like Spencer's got to be less dumb with those sorts of things. And it was like, a stop, like, stop committing know, terrible fouls. Yeah, that's the thing. It was funny. Follow was like, oh, it's a tough call. There was no, nothing tough about that call. He had his arm completely away from him. Like, I am the king of complaining about refs. I actually think Dallas got a pretty friendly whistle in this game. They got a, a lot of calls late that I was like, oh, that's – I would be livid if I was a Toronto fan. And it's just – Dinwiddie has to be smart. He has to understand how important he is to this team. I mean, like, it, it really is because if he's not going, then the Mavericks – third ball handler options are one of three things either run Josh green as a secondary ball handler, which he is not. That is, that is harmful for Josh green. Cause it makes him look worse than he is. Cause it's not right. a role that he's, he is suited to play make Christian wood, the secondary ball handler, which takes him out of his element. And he also played very poorly today. So that was not great or run Faku Campuzo out there who just isn't an NBA player. Nope. Um, like, and it's, and so because want of all the that, ball to end like up it, at his in in Composo's hands at the end of the at the end of possessions because he cannot shoot. Yeah, like that's why I said it in the Slack. I was like, I was like, he's got to understand he's open for a reason. Like he is the human embodiment of open for a reason. And it's, I, I mean, and it, like I know the guy plays hard, and I like watching a five ten guy play as much as anybody else because it's cool to see somebody with though without the physical gifts to play in the NBA play in the NBA. But man, like it's just, and I hate to go back to it, but it's just they let Brunson go. Um, that that decision has been litigated. There's no point to to relitigate it. They chose not to not to bring Dragic back in, or to bring him in in any role other than just Luca's buddy to play five games a year. Um, that decision has been litigated repeatedly, especially by Mass Moneyball. So I don't really want to retread that. But just in general. 
the Mavs as a whole, the way I would describe this is uh, if you're a wrestling fan, um, a lot of people have complained that Vince McMahon is a sizist, like that he's a he's a big fan of size and then he pushes people <laughs> based on their size rather than how right, big they are. Right, loves huge and, wrestlers. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know what you're yeah, talking like, about. That's his big thing. Well, the Mavs are like that a lot. Like if you look at the Mavs over the last, they prior. It's weird because the NBA has deprioritized size, but the Mavs are just doubling and tripling down. And there can be some value in zagging when everyone else is zigging, but it's just weird to me that in a league where ball handling is more important than it's ever been, and the Mavs just had their most successful season since the title run in 2011, based on having three ball handlers and always being able to have two in at any given time to be like, hey, we're going to let one of them go and then not replace him in any meaningful way. And I just, I don't understand. And I want to be mad. Like I I even said in the Slack, I was like, I'm going to scream into the void when we do this, but I'm just sad. Like the Mavs are not fun to watch. That's Ryan. Them not being fun to watch in the middle of Luka Doncic's prime, or maybe not in the middle of his prime, the beginnings of his prime. And with him doing what he's doing and everything, it's, Honestly, that is an almost it's it's almost an impressive accomplishment. I feel like Ron Burgundy talking to his dogs like I'm not even mad. I'm just I'm impressed. How did you how did you do this? Well, and I compare it to and and I think you'll appreciate this. I compare it to you know, you get a rookie quarterback in the NFL and you have him on that rookie scale before he connects to like the first major contract which which really limits team building at that point. When the Mavericks went all in with Chris Stapps Porzingis, we didn't really know this at the time. I was skeptical, and I didn't even know this, understand this at the time. But that really locked them into a particular path, and they simply opted not to go further. And we're, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but it just keeps coming back to the fact that they built a team that's extremely limited, and it's been locked into the same path. I mean, so many of these guys have been here the entire time. Dorian, Maxi, are, are, and Dwight are, are still key contributors to a team when they were key contributors to a team five years ago. That's just not normal for an NBA-level team. Tim Hardaway come is, is probably the fourth one, if you really think about that. Like, at the top, once you have stars in the NBA, you have your star, there's usually a rotating cast of characters that come around. I mean, the Bucks are kind of an interesting counterexample. We play them tomorrow night. Um, you know, ignore the fact that Luka played the entire fourth quarter again. And he's probably going to be exhausted before he goes up against Giannis. But it's just, it's one of these things where even as much as I've complained about the team building, they have somehow, it just, when they look bad, it's so upsetting. And and they've just had so many of these really terrible losses that I'm not, I don't know what to do other than hope for some like shooting variants. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith missed so many threes tonight and a lot of them were just wide open. And the, the, the Bullock thing is getting gross. You know, it's it's been gross. It's And these guys are all plus. I mean, the, the, where the Mavericks lost this game tonight was actually the bench unit, where there were there were moments. It was the, the second quarter where things went sideways and the um, parts of the third quarter where things really went sideways. I mean, Tim Hardaway being a negative 16 in 17 minutes is impressively bad. Um, our guy Brian says, and I'm not, you know, checked his stats on this, but I'm going to, even though I should have done this before I, I, I published his, uh, published his shot, but Tim Hardaway hasn't hit a three since last Friday. <laughs> He's O of his last 13 in games. Like that's, 
Like we're just I think we're, he's eight of his last thirty nine now too. Yeah, I mean like he's, he's eight shooting twenty eight percent. It's just the bench would had which had been a boon. The bench was really pretty nasty tonight. Um, you know, Christian Wood finally got some shots up. You know, it's there we had some weird stuff with Brad Townsend getting upset with people in his mentions. I get that, so I don't really blame him for that. But it's just you know, Wood can't do nothing if he's not getting the ball. And when he plays with these guys who are just gunners like Hardaway and to a certain extent um Spencer Dinwiddie he's just not gonna get looks I mean Luca looked him off once or twice like there's there's some funky stuff tonight you know it, you just can't ha- you can't give away these minutes JaVale McGee six minutes and as, as a negative seven just utterly worthless and and we we keep talking about the same things and I'm not sure how I'm going to keep continuing doing post-game podcasts because there's simply nothing new to talk about every game it's boring it's boring for you to listen to it's boring for me to talk about uh, so actually, one of the things you mentioned that I do I do want to touch on. So the big point that we've had with Christian Wood is, you know, we can't play him because of his defense. You know, it doesn't matter how much he juices the offense. He he jacks up the defense, yada, 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 yada. All of that being said, if you think he, he messes up the defense, why are his minutes married to Tim Hardaway Jr.'s? Like, that does not seem like a way to maximize either one of them because Tim, bless his soul, he is just getting up shots one way or the other. It doesn't matter. I mean, I want to say that you should be proud. I mean, cause he has to shoot them like, cause that's his only NBA skill that is truly in theory. Plus if, if they're going in eventually it's he's got to keep shooting. I mean, I know it's frustrating for people, but he does have to shoot. But if he's there and he's going to shoot the ball every time he touches it and woods out there and both of them are defensive negatives, which I think you can do some stuff scheme-wise. You could if you were going to be a, a an inventive NBA coach. I think you could do some stuff scheme-wise to hide Wood if Tim's not out there. But if you have them together, that's shots that the other one can't take. And honestly, I think the boat sailed on getting rid of Tim as anything other than just an absolutely pure salary dump. Oh, yeah. And well, I, I, like, I, I, don't... Tweeted, I tweeted the fact that he has become a uh, – an albatross his contract has become an albatross twice in his career so he's drafted in 2013 he played with the knicks was traded to the hawks and then signed a restricted offer back from the knicks in 2017 which the hawks did not match that contract became an albatross almost immediately and when we traded for him uh back with the uh, with Kristaps porzingis he was considered the tax like you're getting Kristaps porzingis but you're you're taking this this is what you're getting um, and interestingly enough, he probably became the best player from that trade for the Mavericks, even though Porzingis looks better now. He turned down an offer from from uh New Orleans to it was basically a four year, hundred million dollar deal in that range, and signed at a discount with the Mavericks. And he is it's it's he got hurt midway through last season and has simply not played a meaningful minute under Jason Kidd that that has actually helped the team. I mean, he's gone, he's regressed all the way back. Istok has talked about uh, on on how his shooting his best two shooting seasons were actually with Carlisle. So whatever whispering Carlisle did really helped him transform his game, and he's really showing us that he might just be like a thirty four percent career three point shooter. It's real like this sort of regression, like back to the mean, is really harsh. And there's I don't think the Mavericks can be able to do anything with him until he goes on a hot streak. Yeah, and I mean honestly, as far as trading him, like. The Mavs can't trade with themselves, so there's not another team that's going to be dumb enough to take him because, nope. hey, he had four hot games in a row. Hey, guys, Tim Hardaway Jr. is shooting like – I mean, maybe the Lakers, they do some dumb stuff, but 
the whole like you're just gonna you know if we showcase him all you're doing is letting teams know absolutely for sure yeah this guy's toast and I hate to say this because I love Tim as a person. Like, he seems like a really great guy. He was kind of an underrated uh, Theo Pinson Jr. as far as being on the bench and a lot of the vibes and everything last year. Like, when you go to games, like, you can tell how, how much he is into his team's success. And just and that stuff does matter to a certain extent. But the big things are the big things for a reason. And the little things can't matter until you do the big things well. And so – it doesn't matter that, you know, you're hyped up for the team and everything and you, you're all the way there for your teammates if you're terrible when you're on your on the court. So right now I'm really ready to just jettison him and JaVale McGee into the sun, into the NBA version of the sun for the moment. They can have a fictitious ankle injury or something where they just need to sit them for a while. And I, I don't think either one of those guys is above that. There is a little bit of a counter argument to that, which is, you know, if you sit them, you got to play somebody else. And beyond Luca, Green, uh, Dorian, and Christian Wood, and Dwight Powell, and Maxi, the Mavs don't really have anybody else earning minutes. Um, I'm still confident um, that Bullock will come around. Um, I started writing something the other day and I looked at it, and Bullock's November is extremely similar to his November last year. Like it's almost, <laughs> right. right. It, like it is stunning how close they are given where he ended up. But it's not like giving him more minutes is helping anybody right now because you mentioned Dorian missing open looks. Uh, Dorian actually turned it around a little bit at the end. He made a big three. He had a drive that ended in a layup that was pretty big, uh, and Bullock had two two wide open corner threes that could have that could have been daggers and he just break both of them and i mean like it'll come around and I, and I know it'll come around but man it's tough to watch right now and while it's tough to watch the Mavs just don't have other options like that's i i really don't know what to say about it other than that because you know everybody wants to jump on kid and i don't think kid's doing a good job this year and i would really like to see luca uh luca christian wood and green and two of the other and Dorian and Maxi play together. But I mean, you, you have to play more than five players right? and more than six players. So it's not like you can't just say, all right, guys, we're rolling with them. And then Spencer is going to run the second unit and that's it. Y'all six player. Like you can't run 40 minutes a night for the remaining 60 some odd games. Like that's not going to work. And it's just, and that's really a lot of what made the Mavs successful when they quote unquote found it last year is they basically went to a six and a half man rotation. And I think what we're seeing now is that the Mavs can't do that yet. And that's part of why they haven't quote unquote figured it out yet is because what they figured out last year is just running their six best players into the ground. And they, you can't do that right now. You just can't. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And that's the other thing where it, it, this is kind of a side issue where I, I, I under, I've been talking a lot with people about this lately, where if you commit to green and then to a lesser extent, Hardy 
And that's what a lot of fans want to see. You are seeding the season. Okay. I just, I need people to understand that you are seeding the season. That is the message you are giving the star player in Luka Doncic. If that is a decision that they, they choose to go with and good things happen from it, that is outstanding. But if it doesn't, if, if, Green were to play 30 minutes a game and you were to get Hardy 15 to 25 minutes a game and they're still losing games, that does nothing for this team. I, I'm really serious about this. Like, this is not like, I'm trying to think how to phrase this because I don't want to crap on like people's dreams to see this sort of stuff. But honestly, I just, I don't care about the tertiary players relative to the stars, hopes, and expectations. Luka Doncic expects to be competing for a title. And if you do anything that is anything less than that, he's going to be pissed. And if he's going to be pissed, that matters in the long term. I know that he, like, he, he, he played a role in how this, this team came about. You know, there's a lot of chatter about whether he really wanted this level of load. I don't know. I don't know what to believe in that regard. A lot of it's not belief doesn't really matter in the sense of this is the team that they have. So going on from here, it, this just might not be very fun. I think we'll see some shooting regression, like you mentioned. Um, and that's going to help things. Cause it's just like when you have this many guys shooting this badly, uh, at least on volume in terms of, of uh, Hardaway and Bullock in particular, it's just, it's hard to swallow. I do think like Dorian ends up getting it together in a way that's, that's helpful because like, even right now, what is, what is Dorian doing on the season? Um, it, it can't not be a that lot. bad. He's, it's, he's it's like, not like, anywhere near as bad as Bullock, but it's not, but he's also a little bit of a slow starter. I noticed that when I was looking at his, mm-hmm. like we, cause we had the year a couple of years ago when he had, when he had his kid and then just went turned into i was calling him dorian finney corver in the slack and everything he's shooting like 44 percent on threes for a while and then right you know he, he shot well towards the end of the year last year and part of it is we asked him him and reggie to do so much in the playoffs last year running around and doing all that it's it, it's easy for fans to think and and i understand why to expect guys to play with that level of intensity all the time but they were never going to nail every rotation and every three and all of that, just like they did then, like they did in the playoffs, like for a whole season. Cause you just can't keep that level of play up. That being said, what, and going back to what you were saying about green, the, the Luca Christian wood green combo, this stat's been floating around Twitter, but there's something like plus 35 for a hundred possessions as a trio. Now to be fair. So everyone understands that stat. They haven't played a ton of minutes to the point that it is not necessarily a viable thing to look forward to and just say, oh, yep, this trio is just elite. But if you look at it, what makes the most sense to me, what the Mavs should do is take a page out of the 2011 Mavs book, which is it was Luca and Jet run a whole bunch of the offense, and then the other three players are great defenders around them that cover for them on, on defense. Well, with the Mavs, the the play of that, and I'm not comparing them as individual players, but would be for Luca and Wood to run the offense, and then for to have some combination of Green, Finney Smith, and Maxi or Bullock as the other three players around them. Let yeah. them space the floor for them so they help out offensively that way. But other than that, just defend your butt off and let Luca and Wood handle the offense and hope from there because Luca's gotten better defensively. Like he's not, I mean, he is still a long way from being a defensive weapon or anything like that. But Luca has legitimately improved 
defensively this season. Like he's talked about it a lot. I don't think he's quite as good as he thinks he is, but yeah. he's gotten better. And so there's less covering for him that you have to do. So you can live with covering for some of Wood. And it's just weird to me that Wood's mistakes are the only mistakes that really matter as far as the coaching staff seems to. Oh, yeah. That is – it's like he's the person who who seems to take most of the blame. But it's also as if they don't seem to fully understand that him playing well is the the ceiling raiser. That's like – you're not getting – 25 point game from Bullock or, or Dorian Finney Smith. Like that's just not happening outside of the occasional outlier with wood. You can get, you know, two out of every three games where he scores 18 points. Like that's a thing he can do. Well, he had scored over 25 and three out of the last four games before this one, which right. I mean, he worked his way to 10 late, late in the game. And he did, he just, he is the one person besides Luca that you can say, Hey, go get me a bucket and feel at least moderately confident about, but it, it really is. It's just stunning to me because you'd be like, oh, well, he's beat. And I really feel like Ken is kind of wanting to say, I told you so, in that, which is weird because it's really bad for him. Like, it, it, like the best outcome for Kid is for Christian Wood to be successful. But yep. if you read the book from his days with the Bucks and his stuff with Larry Sanders, a lot of this seems reminiscent of that. And that yep. is very concerning because if you look at Christian Wood's history, I'm not 100% certain that Christian Wood is the guy to come out of all of that and fight through it and come out on the other end better off. Like, the Cavs run a very, very significant risk of losing Wood, not in the, like, oh, he leaves his free agency. Like, I'm not even to that point. But, I mean, if we're another 15 games into the season and they're still yo-yoing Wood's minutes, even though he's clearly the second-best offensive player on the team and an important part of the success when they have success, then I could like, given his history, would it be shocking to you if he just shuts it down? I mean, if he's just like, you have games where he comes out where he looks like he did in the first half today, where he's just not engaged and doesn't do anything. That wouldn't shock me. Would it shock you? Yeah, because I think there's some real competitor type stuff going on there. But I mean, this is just so bizarre where we're at a oddly similar place record-wise that the Mavericks were at this point last year, but they had some kind of excuses built in where Luca wasn't looking good. The COVID element was right around the corner because um, that started kind of early December. It, it they were they were ahead despite actually playing pretty good bas- or uh, pretty poor basketball because they were playing much uglier last year. Um, though they're just kind of back in the mud. I'm not sure. I. It's just so it's it's getting kind of really uncomfortable, and I don't know what to do. Like, there's nothing for us to do, but I don't really see any clear paths. Because last year the clear path was okay, Luca, get in shape and attack the lane. Well, that's happened this year. Like Brunson kept yeah. them afloat. There's just no way out of this right now, other than the, the shooters regressing to the mean and and the guys playing better, as far as I can tell. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I hear lots of that. Well, the last two seasons they've done this and yada yada yada. The last two seasons, Luca started like crap and then finished playing like he's playing now, except yeah. he was making threes. I mean, he's going to make threes eventually, but other than that, Luca can't play better than he's already playing. I know he didn't have a particularly great game today, but a he was being he was being trapped and hard doubled literally the whole game, and b it's there's no one even 1991 Michael Jordan who was just who never had a bad game all season. Luke was averaging 34 a game coming into this game. Like what, yep. what level do we think he's turning it up to? Do we right. think he's going to average 40 when he starts making right. threes? I mean, I don't, 
I don't see that as a thing. Yes, you'll get some from Bullock, and yes, you'll get some some regression from Dorian, but I I kind of feel like this is a little bit of a gap here for Dallas, um, because I, I feel like they're trying to reset. They're trying to convey their pick this year and then have the full war chest of all of their own picks where they can do, which everybody keeps saying the Drew Holiday trade. Um, it's the Drew Holiday trade in theory, but not so much in practice, because there's not another, like Drew Holiday himself would be a perfect fit, but that person doesn't exist. Right. The closest thing to him might have been DeJounte Murray, who got traded this offseason. But they don't have, I mean, if you look at it, I think they're one of their, uh, I don't think they have enough to get SGA if he's even, if Oklahoma City makes him available. And then two, I, I think their most realistic trade target in that manner is OG Ananobi, who we saw today. And I just, I, I really think that this year they're kind of like, hey, we're going to let Luca go ham. We're going to let him have the highest use rate in the history of basketball, which is actually right at the same thing Giannis is running this year. And then, you know, let him let him do that. Hopefully win the MVP, you know, let the chips fall where they may in the playoffs. If Luca gets hot and the shooters around him get hot, then, you know, we hope to catch lightning in a bottle. But do that, let our let our picks reset, and then retry the, the big all-in trade. And that's their last swing. Like, the thing I don't think people understand, because I see a lot of people wanting us to make trades, and I say us, like, I, I hate them. Right, I know what you mean. I'm obviously that's But they, they want the Mavs to make, you know, a big trade, a big trade. Whatever the next trade the Mavericks make that gives up a first-round pick is the last big trade of the Luka era unless things go really well. Like, that is something that I need people to understand is if the Matt, like, there is no, hey, just use first available language, drop the protections on this pick, whatever you want to do. If you trade, you know, your 2025 first and then, you know, and some kind of pick swap and everything like that, that's it. Like, that's your last move. So I don't really want some kind of, you know, just, hey, we're going to, we're going to just, make this little mediocre move. We're going to go out and get Buddy Heald and trade yep. a first round, trade Tim Hardaway Jr. and a future first for Buddy Heald. Like, that that's not good enough. That doesn't materially change the Mavericks. So that's that's really where I'm at is just I'm – honestly, I'm just sad is because, I mean, this is yet another game where the Mavs played a team that was missing a whole bunch of its talent and couldn't do anything with it. And when they win these games after looking like crap, I'm always like, hey, you know, these wins matter when you get late in the season. But these losses matter, too. Like, there will come a time, no matter if the Mavs are fighting for the play-in, if they're fighting for the sixth seed, the fourth seed, wherever they're fighting at the end of the year, where they're going to look back at games like this, like the second game against the Nuggets, and be like, man, I really wish I had that one back. And so that's just where I'm at now is I'm not even necessarily mad. I'm just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well. The post game quotes from Jason Kidd are—I just—it's uh, like he's coaching a different game and team than the one we're watching. Uh, this is going to be tough for me because I—I I don't think Kidd is going anywhere. But I'm reaching the point where I question if Jason Kidd is the one for this team because the adjustments aren't happening, and I don't know if the adjustments aren't happening because there aren't adjustments to make because the roster is limited or if the adjustments aren't happening because he, he and his staff don't know what adjustments to make. And that, that's, that's a little, the second thing is much more frightening, but the first one is just frustrating. And so it's just like, how do you waste a generational talent year? I wanted to give this team 20 games. We're game 18. And right now I'm just very disappointed with where they are. 
relative to what our expectations were. Somebody pointed it out to me because I said, I still think they can win 50 games. And the the response was, you think they can go 41 and 23 the rest of the year? And the answer is, do I think that's within their range of outcomes? Yes. Do I see it at this particular point in time? I do not. But but that's why I'm not a coach. I'm not a forward thinker like Dalton and some of these other people who really say, oh, this is what we can do. I just think, you know, I mentioned this already, but it's like if you if you really go radical and change the lineups in a really, really big way. I think that what you're 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 setting yourself up for like like that's the nuclear option. There is no coming back from some of that sort of thing because then you start losing enough games to if it doesn't work, you're losing enough games to where the season is actually lost. Whereas right now the Mavericks are just playing 500 basketball in a conference that's filled with muck. Where if they go on a five game winning streak, then a lot of this is righted. You know what I mean? Yeah, and. I mean, so I said in the the last pregame thing about Jaden Hardy, it's just I was like, yeah, if he plays an important role for the Mavs this season, then something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Which, to be honest, we are we are getting to the things have gone horribly wrong part of the part of the year. But I'm gonna go with a Ron Swanson quote here: um, "Don't ever, don't ever half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing." Which is, if they want to go that route. And I know that this is a 2K brain thing, not a real life thing. Like you could never, you absolutely can't do this. But legitimately, if they want to be like, hey, let's get Josh Green 30 minutes a night. Let's get Jaden Hardy 25 minutes a night. The best thing for them to do in that scenario is to tell Luca, hey, go pretend you have whatever. And I understand that this cannot happen in real life. But if you're going to do that route, then what you need to do is be as bad as you possibly can. And that involves Luca not playing because Luca means you're never going to have a good draft pick with him playing just by himself. He's that good. Yeah. Let him go and then hope that you can get some kind of a wing, some kind of a talent, like have the fifth or sixth. Like you're not going to be bad enough to get the, the women I pick anyway, but hope that you can get somebody or hope that you have some lottery luck. I yep. mean, the Mavericks, Which we have won't. Never the Mavericks have never had lottery luck. So, you know, the gambler's fallacies in play in my head when I think about that. So. Yeah. Oh, brother. Well, we should go because I've got other stuff I want to do tonight. And plus, we'll be back tomorrow night. Thank you for taking some time out of your night to talk with me. You got anything else before we get out of Dodge? Uh, tomorrow's another night. And given them what the Mavericks have done, hopefully they win by a lot. And we come back on and talk about how great everything is. Oh, yeah. Well, they're Always 500 basketball. And they, well, they play Milwaukee tomorrow. And Milwaukee is, in my opinion, one of the two best teams in the league. So they'll oh, either win in amazing fashion or get absolutely detonated on. Those are the two outcomes that I see. Yep. That's, that's pretty right. much it. They're either going to lose. Before... Go, Go ahead. Good night, guys. All right. This has been Kirk Henderson and Matthew Phillips. We had a great time uh, trying to rehash this game. Look for the Spotify Live to get posted at some point tomorrow morning. I also, uh, our stupid podcast system did not share a late Thanksgiving post that I had up and I didn't notice it till just now. So you're going to have multiple uh, podcasts to listen to if you are so interested. Thanks so much for hanging out and we will talk to you guys soon.